0: Thank you for listening to Wolfcast and Pod, the episode-by-episode breakdown of Angel, the television series. We will be discussing each episode in detail, so we have no concern for spoilers and the like. Please enjoy. Lindsay, you don't understand our friend at all.
1: We know there's no prospect for physical intimacy here, so you
0: needn't torture yourself.
1: And what do you expect him to do? What he will do. What he must do. Save her soul.
0: Higher Powers, it's another episode of WolfCast and Pod, the episode-by-episode breakdown of Angel, the television series. Joining me, Ruben, now on the other line, to do just that, it's Kara. Hey! Hello, Kara. (laughs) Howdy. (laughs) This is so nice, this is such a nice departure from our previous podcasts where... I can hear you and respond to you in essentially real time to the words coming out of your mouth.
1: (laughs) I mean, it makes things a little bit easier rather than just like, yes, I smile and nod (laughs) at what probably was just said.
0: (laughs) We're just saying things that the other person radically disagrees with, but (laughs) because they can't hear them. "Mm -hmm." (laughs) Uh Good point. (laughs) Agreed. Speaking of radical disagreement, today we're going to be discussing the episode Darla. And it's my turn to give the plot. And I'll keep it short. The episode begins basically where the last one left off after um, Guys Will Be Guys and Darla, uh, having dealt with having a soul now for a couple months, is beginning to feel really awful. Uh, about all the things she did as a vampire. And um, Angel is still concerned and still trying to find out um, what's going on with her. And as that sort of A storyline is happening, uh, we are intercut with a series of flashbacks of Darla and Angel's life together, as well as um, the C storyline of sort of slowly unveiling a little bit of what Wolfram and Hart's plan has been this whole time, which uh, I guess is is never really 100% nailed down, but Wesley basically gets the gist of it, which is to distract Angel, um, to make him, you know, a less good hero <laughs> uh, by tormenting him. And uh, over the course of the episode, Darla decides to... Uh, go to Angel to seek his help. Um, and Wolfram Heart stage is sort of a fake scenario um, to make things as dangerous and real for her as possible, which is upsetting to Lindsay. And then when she finally goes to Angel, the help that she wants and the help that he's willing to provide are not commensurate because she wants to be a vampire again. And he's like, that's terrible. What do you think of this episode?
1: Um, I mean, there is a lot of cross-cutting, and I found, like, a lot of the segues were really forced, um, which just was so distracting to me that I, I think, I don't know, in inge- it, yeah, it, I mean, hmm, C-minus, honestly. <laughs> I found, yeah, it was really hard for me to watch, um, so I was not, not super into it, although there is, you know, good, backstory, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I like this episode. The main thing that I like about it, which I will talk about in more detail recently, is basically once uh, they let Boreanaz drop the Irish accent, <laughs> um, he's really good in this episode. Uh, I really enjoy his performance a lot. Uh, everything in the present and most of the things in the past, once uh, again like, after the first two scenes and he's no longer having to do the accent, like, once it's, like, the 1860s or whatever, and I guess he's uh, been hanging out with Darla so long that he picked up her non-accent accent. accent. Um.
1: Is that really the case? Or was it just like, (laughs) hey, this is not working out? (laughs) Because I feel like there, yeah, there's sort of a consistency kind of... There's no
0: explanation for why he (laughs) lost his accent and why Spike retained his.
1: Um... Mm.
0: But that's my only assumption, is that he likes Starla and eventually just picks up her pattern of speaking. And, you know, that's where they started the show with, was Angel talking like that. Um, But actually, I forgot to mention this pre-podcast, but one of the three things that I wanted to talk about was the editing. So, um, you had uh, more negative reaction than me, so uh, maybe you want to... uh, I didn't love it, but uh, I'm, I guess, more curious if you want to expand on some of how it was distracting for you.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure, like, it is kind of the the storytelling aspect of how they sort of cut between the present day and 2000, and then, you know, the um, Darla and Angel getting around, literally, <laughs> to, like, mm-hmm. different time periods and different locations um I think the one that sticks out or the part that sticks out the most to me is like she's going to be somewhere with a view she always Mm -hmm. liked a view and then it's like it cuts to a completely unrelated and like force-fit like mention of Darla liking views you know like three minutes in and it's just I don't know that kind of um maybe it's subtle maybe it's something that I shouldn't have like focused on so much but it just seems definitely
0: not subtle
1: (laughs) no um I was just things can be blunt
0: and good but I still think that that's a perfectly valid criticism if that's what you don't like about it yeah um I might be grading a bit on a curve but compared to the most common editing trope in the series so far, which is someone says something and then it cuts to the opposite uh-huh. of that happening, what I like to call the Whedon cut. Like I definitely prefer this style of the two scenes being linked, if maybe a bit more ham-fisted. Um The one that I wrote down that I liked, uh, maybe you like this one or maybe you didn't. I can't remember who says who says it, but like uh, I I think Darla says it to Angel, but she's like you're going to have to act or something like that, or, like, you're going to have to do something, and then it cuts to the modern day, and then he, like, jumps on, like, two people to, like, save Darla from getting shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, that's nice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, that's, that's an example of something that was not, like, that is kind of nice and humorous and light, in a way. Um, whereas... I, yeah, I
0: definitely think in comparison to I don't know if you remember it well enough, but this is a companion piece episode mm-hmm. um, to "Fool for Love," which is the Spike backstory episode on Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you actually get like some funny little jokes and stuff if you're uh, if you watch them like together, um, and it's edited in the same way. But I actually think it's a lot more experimental. And Strange there's uh, definitely this really cool I mean it's match cuts which I guess isn't like the strangest thing in the world but kind of surprising for television where Spike and Buffy are play fighting and it's cutting to the past of him actually fighting a different Slayer uh-huh. um, and then like during the sequence he starts talking in the past and then it cuts to Buffy's reaction in the present and stuff like that and I think that that scene is really good.
1: Yeah, that's super fun. I don't remember the episode specifically, and definitely not in the context of comparing to uh, this one or this angel episode. So, um, but yeah, that sounds way better <laughs> like in terms of editing um, than how I felt the uh, yeah the cross cut sort of happened in in this particular case.
0: These ones are more blocky, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like it's like. Uh, I'm, you know, there's a scene, and then there's another whole scene in the in the flashback, and in Fool for Love, for whatever reason, uh, they were able to make it like less discrete chunks and a lot more like, you know, even within individual scenes, like cutting back and forth between the past and the present. Oh. But funnily enough, uh, even though that episode is more aesthetically pleasing, I probably enjoy this one slightly more because that one I have a lot of thematic issues with. <laughs> and this one I don't. I mostly like what's going on. So which just brings me to my next topic, which is, uh, I mean, Garla in general, but specifically the conversation that happens with her and Lindsay in the office. Um, what did you bring back in that box, Lindsay? Was it uh, that dying girl, or was it the vampire Darla, or was it something else? Um, I know you don't really like Julie Benz's acting, but I'm interested in how you connected to the emotions of what she's going through.
1: I mean, yeah, I think, I think she did a relatively good job in this scene. I think that she was, you know... I don't know, relatively believable as, you know, going through this inner turmoil of who she is and trying to figure out um, who she's supposed to be, or she knows who she's supposed to be, but, like, the the sort of disparity between who she has been for such a long time and who she is now um, and the, like, giving zero Fs, (laughs) zero (laughs) Hex (laughs) about... Um, really anything like getting to a point of kind of nihilism. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, she did it. She did an okay job. I'm, comparatively to like other, other sort of scenes and episodes where I'm just like, oh my God, stop. <laughs> like you're so melodramatic. Um, so it's kind of ironic too, because in such a sort of melodramatic situation, she actually kind of managed to play it off relatively believably, so.
0: Yeah, maybe you were less annoyed by her because the whole episode is more on her tone, and so she doesn't seem like such a departure.
1: Possibly. (laughs) Actually, that's a good point. It is definitely.
0: Everyone's flipping out about something. (laughs) Um,
1: Except Cordelia, who's, like, over the top, trying, like, really made her try to lighten (laughs) the mood throughout the entire (laughs) episode
0: as soon as she comes in it's like oh it's gonna be jokes 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 um so like normally i'm glad that they eventually abandoned this being the only thing that they did but like the premise of buffy and angel was we're going to take real life scenarios and then add a horror or fantasy element to it to make the like metaphor stronger and more emotional, but i will still have enough of a real-world basis that you can identify with it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going on here whatsoever, I don't know exactly what real-world connection you would draw to the emotions that Darla is um, going through, but for me personally, because I do connect to how she seems to be feeling that um, I find that more impressive. I'm like, I don't know what the real-world analog is here, and yet I still understand, you know, the general feeling of, like, who am I, where do I belong in the world?
1: hmm Like, I think people are known to have existential <laughs> crises at some yeah. point.
0: <laughs> it's something so, that happens. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. So I think that that's just, like, a very... Um, over-the-top, fantastic version of an existential crisis, I suppose. Or, like, maybe to get into, like, such a personal territory that it's, like, uncomfortable for everybody. But um, I was, yeah. No, actually, maybe I shouldn't do that. No, I've committed to it. Um, Mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and um, started being um, given uh, mood stabilizers, which made me completely... Uh, uninspired, uncreative, totally lazy, like unable to really like muster up the energy to do many of the like super creative, super inspired things that I could before. So like, I think that that's maybe I related to her or maybe I relate to her turmoil of like, what the hell am I now? (laughs) Or who was I before? Was that me? Or is this me? Or what's going on? So, um, yeah, that's maybe a very uh, specific and maybe TMI um, ability to relate. Where
0: as much I as you would like to include, I, I'm i certainly, you know, you know, find personal connections to art to be the most interesting mm-hmm. ones. So,
1: yeah, existential crises is also probably more relatable.
0: Um. My two sort of other notes about this scene, they're not, like, exactly themes, but they're kind of interesting points about Darla's character is um, how, you know, in part because she's a vampire, but even before she was a vampire, because she was a sex worker in, like, colonial times, Mm -hmm. that she sees the entire interaction between people or vampires as being manipulative. So those are, like, the only systems that she thinks exists. So when she's talking to Lindsay, she's like, this is how people get what they want. They Mm -hmm. use sex as a weapon. (laughs) And she's like, and then if you're a vampire, use weapons as a weapon. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're stronger than everybody. (laughs)
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And I Um, thought that was nice. Not nice, but... On point. Well well written. Yeah. (laughs) Um...
1: Yeah, I found it super uncomfortable because, um, well, in the moment where, well, Leslie's becoming obsessed with Darla, obviously. Um, Lindsay is becoming yeah. obsessed with uh, Darla, obviously. And it's um, kind of uncomfortable when he's like uh, interested in physicalizing his obsession and kissing her. And she's basically like, nothing matters. I don't, like, why should I care? Nobody nobody cares. Like, just whatever. Like, um, That's my second been. sort of
0: note about the scene is when you are depressed, one of the things that you really need to not surround yourself with is someone who you don't really like that much but who really likes you a lot because <laughs> <laughs> someone's yeah, going to get a, hurt in that scenario. Like, uh, in a, yeah, if she was feeling easy. good, she would just be like, Lindsay, leave me alone. But because she's feeling depressed, she's like, Maybe I would feel better if I had sex with this person who was obsessed with me. You won't. <laughs> yeah.
1: Which uh, should be a red flag as well when she's talking all crazy. It's like,
0: hmm,
1: maybe she's not in the right situation to give informed and enthusiastic consent. Don't know.
0: Um, but
1: <laughs> probably not. Yeah,
0: I actually have a note uh, about that. I hope I can find it. Um. Sure. Uh, I can't. I didn't write down what she says, but my note was, "I don't know and I don't care. Let's fuck." <laughs> Basically, about her emotions.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh... Is
0: that like as soon as she introduces the possibility of it, even once she takes it off the table mm-hmm. by literally biting him <laughs> in order to drive him away, his mood does not change. He's still he's like, "It's on the table now. You can't take it back off." <laughs> um, this is
1: happening one way or another.
0: And I really enjoy uh, her line about it when she says it's not me you want to screw, uh, because it's the first semi overt uh, introduction to the reason why Lindsay is so obsessed with Angel is that there's a sexual component for him as well. It's not. Na- I wish it were made overt in the show, but I'm I'm pretty sure Lindsay is bi. <laughs>
1: Mm, with that hair. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> he does have just a generally... Maybe it's bi or maybe it's just like he is so uh, repressed that literally anything is... Like, he's like an involuntary celibate. So, like, absolutely everything that could be construed is, like, somewhat sexy. He's like, yes, yeah, so I'm all about this. <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's actually asexual, but because he hasn't accepted that about himself, he sexualizes everything.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he's like going so hard in the opposite direction to try to be like, "No, guys, I swear I'm normal. I swear."
0: Um, well, not
1: normal, but like not asexual. Yeah, because asexualism is normal.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm backtracking. Oh, language. But yeah, he's I can creepy. I that if you like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please.
1: <laughs> no, but um, he's still creepy. He's still, like, way out of, yeah, his, um, yeah. He shouldn't act the way that he's acting, especially because, um, yeah. Like, Darla isn't super into it, obviously. So, anyway.
0: Yeah. When, um, I was in therapy, um... I made sure, like, that I got the okay from my therapist that I was, like, emotionally ready to, like, start a relationship when I started to get a crush on someone. And that's probably something that Lindsay needs to do as well is, A, go to therapy, and then, B, get the therapist's approval that uh, they think he's probably ready to emotionally connect with someone. Mm -hmm. Because he is not right now.
1: (laughs) He needs to do a lot of checking himself. And yeah, checking in with a therapist probably isn't the worst idea for uh, for Lindsay at this point in time, because he seems a little bit off the rails. I though. really
0: do like the phone call gag, though, with Lindsay, when uh, Angel is trying to find out where Darla is, and he uh, is choking Lindsay with a rope, and uh, he's like, where's Darla? And he's Lindsay starts to say something like, I was just calling you, but because like the first word out of his mouth isn't like, I don't know, the building or something, uh-huh. and then Angel starts choking him again, and then he holds up the phone, and it's like, Angel's investigations, we help the helpless. <laughs> it made me laugh. Um, and then really the third major thing that I wanted to talk about with this episode is the thing that I mentioned in my... Uh, whether or not I liked it or disliked it, and that is uh, David Boreanaz's acting. Yeah. How do you feel about him in this episode?
1: Um. Yeah. Again, like, whenever he is uh restricted by using his horrible, what seems to be influenced by Irish accent, <laughs> rather than like actually being able to, I don't know, take his vocal like, speech coaches, (laughs) um, direction properly, it just, it muddies and, um, and makes everything that he says feel really, really fake and inauthentic, um, because he's obviously struggling more with his, uh, accent than he is with, like, actually, um, like, honestly performing his lines, um, but yeah, it does, uh, he, he, in the present day scenes, does a really great job. Um, and then <laughs> sort of like later on, um, yeah, when he's um, a saving little bit. Saving that baby. Saving the baby, exactly. <laughs> like a little bit, yeah, more believable. Um, he's very broody. <laughs> so,
0: yeah, I think he's better at sad than he is at evil. So that's probably another part of why the earlier flashback scenes don't work quite as well
1: yeah he's uh he's um, very good at brooding
0: and I know just like a personal like uh I don't know what the word is for like blind spot I guess for me it's like I enjoy someone becoming better at acting so much that I think maybe sometimes I overrate it. and David Boreanaz was so bad when Buffy started <laughs> and he's come so far <laughs> at this point that um it really impresses me it's Opposed to someone like, um, Alexis Denisov, who, even if I didn't enjoy his character when he appeared on season three, has never really wavered. Like, Uh -uh. I've never been like, oh, that's a bad Alexis Denisov performance. No. I...
1: He's super consistent.
0: Um, But, uh, the main point that I wrote down, there's no, like, you know, commentary about it, but the part where he's on the phone with her, and he's listening to her heartbeat... Uh, I could just feel how sad he was in that moment and like how conflicted the um, being like sad for Darla and then also sad for himself that that's something that he doesn't have as he's gonna you know lay out more explicitly at the end of the episode Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, where he like sees being human as like a gift essentially mm mm-hmm
0: yeah those are my only big Notes? Do you have any big notes? I have other little notes that I'm going to go over quickly, but
1: yeah, do you no have any other big. Nothing. Nothing really big, at all.
0: Yeah. No. <laughs> we can um, go into the,
1: the minutia.
0: <laughs> gotta have that master. That guy's annoying. I'm glad that he's not going to appear anymore.
1: <laughs> so I have a question: Are you the master? Yeah. And Darla, so mm-hmm. she's ostensibly like pretty old. So, at what point do you start to get Mastery?
0: (laughs) Um, It's never made clear, specifically, but the Master uh, dated back to, like, when humans started appearing in this fictionalized version of Earth. So, like, um, and I assume they're talking about uh, humanoids, not specifically Homo sapiens, so not 20,000 years, but, like, 100,000 or 80,000 however long okay. it's been since uh, a while. <laughs> the Master is supposed to be extremely old.
1: Fair enough. And I guess 1600s isn't
0: isn't really that
1: old in comparison. I <laughs> <No>. get it. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, but uh, I believe there are only two vampires who ever appear on screen who have that type of thing going on. So must be pretty rare
1: Hmm. you'd expect to see like some some different formations of facial structure or something like (laughs) more gaunt as you get older or something like that but i guess not
0: (laughs) um yeah maybe if the show had gone on longer if they had thought about it they could have had like a thing where it starts after like you Know 800 years where like it takes longer to change out of your vampire face. Than, oh, yeah, you know, it used to like maybe they get stuck for an hour, and <laughs> they can't like immediately switch back like they used to. That could also be like a fun impotence metaphor.
1: Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I was just about to say <laughs> reverse impotence, yeah, <laughs> maybe. If like, um... anyway, I'll I digress. <laughs>
0: The bit with Gun, where they're talking about the break-in is really funny. We discussed that pre-podcast as a potential quote to use, but since we didn't use it, I just wanted to mention that it's really funny. <laughs> Very screwball humor-esque.
1: <laughs> Much needed
0: in this case, um, I think. And uh, uh, Cordelia gets uh, my favorite moment in the whole episode, when um, Angel's running off to save Darla from the situation, and it's like, it's a trap, and he's like, I know, but um, she asked for my help. I have to help her. Um, you know, I don't want her to be alone like I was or something like that. And Cordelia goes, you're not alone. And uh, it was nice in that moment to see, like, who of the group actually really gets the real meat of what's going on in this moment. Mm -hmm. And that, in wanting to save Darla, Angel is hoping to save, like, a version of himself. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Cordelia is trying to remind him that that is the work that they're doing, and he doesn't have to go to Darla to do it. Mm -hmm. It made me almost cry. Um... Uh, <laughs> um, in the flashback when Darla has taken the baby from the um, uh, missionaries and she's really upset that uh, Angel saved the missionaries and <laughs> Angel apologizes he just says sorry but basically the implication is sorry for not killing this baby which I thought was really <laughs> unintentionally funny
1: for sure. In, in that moment, too, it's like, um, it's really hammered home. Um, well, when Darla is sort of like, you only kill vermin and murderers and rapists. And yeah. it's like, oh, well, I mean, this is implied so many times before, but it's like, yeah, Angel's kind of the Dexter of vampires, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Where he just kills and she's on that dudes. show as well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Woo. It all comes together. Um, but, yeah, you've got to appreciate the vampire with the soul only like, killing, like, evil dudes. But then it's also like, hey, how do you know exactly, like, this is... Like, you're bound to make a, a mistake at some point. You know what I mean? Anyway.
0: Yeah. And all of those people that you're killing, you're taking away the possibility that you hope for for yourself. Which mm-hmm. is Redemption. redemption. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're kind of... You know, uh, making it so that you're gonna have to be killed by someone like you at some point.
1: <laughs> Comeuppance. S- <laughs> if that's
0: what you, if that's what you think morality is. Um,
1: <laughs> Good point.
0: And uh, um, I, I think that Daryl is fine in this episode, but there's one part where I really, really like her, which is when. Uh, At the end of the episode, when she and Angel are arguing, and um, Angel is upset that she says that, uh, you know, turning him into a vampire saved him, and um, she says, okay, well, if it's, you know, so terrible, if it's such a revenge, pay me back. Um, But she says it in such a way where there's, like, a little bit of, like, wavering in her voice, like... She's, you know, still trying to be, like, a bit of, like, a badass, but she can't sell it, um, and, you know, she's, like, really desperate and sad, and I thought that, that landed very well for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that was, it was nice, for sure, um, not to use the word nice too much, but (laughs) it felt, it felt honest in that she's, like, yeah, give me, give me the eternal life that I gave you, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, then, like, being a vampire is really horrible. Well, then, I deserve to be made really
0: horrible.
1: <laughs> right? Right? Yes. That logic's going to work on Angel, isn't it? <laughs> like...
0: It um, captures something that uh, Basil always talks about that I picked up from him um, that I think is really a, good, a sign of good writing. is when two people are having the same conversation, but the diff- a different conversation at the same time, because they're each... Like, they're hearing enough of what the other person is saying that they're responding, like, semi-logically to them, Mm -hmm. but because they're a different person with different goals and, like, different ideas of the world and different emotions, they're also not totally hearing what they're saying, so... (laughs) Angel doesn't want to turn her into a vampire because he thinks that's a terrible thing to do to anyone, Mm -hmm. and her response to that is... Well, I'm a terrible person, so do it. And that was never gonna be an argument that was gonna work on him.
1: No. <laughs> no. But she like I mean, after spending countless centuries together, it's like <laughs> and even spending a lot of time with him like when he had a soul, it's like you you really don't get it. You're so <laughs> you're so in your own space, exactly. But anyway.
0: I mean I think it's hard even for Two unsold people who really want to understand each other to not talk past each other, like it's, it's unavoidable even for people who are less narcissistic than Darla.
1: <laughs> less, um, but still to some degree.
0: <laughs> and then my last comment is that it's really f- funny, especially with the other episode. Is um, so there's uh, the scene when uh, Darla and Drusilla and. Uh, angel are walking and they run into uh william before he's turned into a vampire In the other episode uh you just see him run into them and like from the back and they don't say anything and he's like watch where you're going and then drusilla corners him in an alley and turns him into a vampire and that's like a very dramatic romantic Moment and then in this episode, uh, she's like, Or you could just turn the first blithering idiot we run into,
1: and she's like, and, Oh, yeah, totally, <laughs> I could.
0: And just like that fun contrast between Spike's uh, idea of his history and uh, how the uh, people who made his history happen actually felt about it is very funny to me,
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor Spike. <laughs> Or I guess poor William. His whole Yeah. yeah, yeah. What a sad, sad dude.
0: Mm-hmm. This is the first mention of Holland's last name in the show. Um Darrow is sired by the master. I don't know if we knew that before. Initially brings Angelus to him in the Order of Aurelius. Mm-hmm. Um although she leaves with Angel. By the time Buffy arrives in Sunnydale and welcome to the Hellmouth, Darla is once again with the Master. Uh, (laughs) It's a a little bit of a spoiler for future episodes, but Trusilla's line, Don't be cross, I could be your mummy, foreshadows her siren of Darla in a future episode.
1: Spoiler, spoiler, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: is this is the only episode of the Buffyverse in which Spike appears in flashback scenes only, but no present day scenes. Really? Apparently. Hmm. In German, this was called Darla, and in French, this was called Darla. <laughs>
1: Makes sense. No, like the one
0: named Darla. <laughs> really not. Um, normally, uh, one of the trivia points on episodes like this, it'll say something like, This is a Darla centric episode, but it doesn't say that on this Buffy Wikia where I get my information from. Like, we just did Blood Ties with Basil, and uh, it said, This is a Dawn centric episode. <laughs> and it always makes me laugh every time that that's a piece of trivia. If you watched the episode, you wouldn't know.
1: <laughs> Maybe it's for anyway. people who skip through to the trivia first and then they're like, oh, it's a Dawn centric episode. Forget it.
0: Exactly. <laughs> well, those people weren't saved if they don't like Darla they, and they didn't figure it out based on the title. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Darla, it's all about Lindsay. <laughs> But in a way.
0: <laughs> That's all I have.
1: Fantastic.
0: Alright, thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If so, please subscribe using your podcast listening application. Give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. And uh, this podcast its the one good thing we ever did together. The only good thing. You make sure to tell the world that. Bye. Bye.